Hey, it's me, Lisa P, and welcome back to It's Called Life, where we deep dive into society, culture, motherhood, womanhood, relationships, and all the other things that make up this crazy thing we call life. And today I'm talking to my neurodivergent folks. My autism, my ADHD, my ADD, my OCD, my neurospicy individuals. A fun fact about me is that I was diagnosed with ADHD in third grade, so I have been through pretty much every method and every medication you could ever imagine for a neurospicy individual. We have family history of it, and well, I'm also now dealing with a neurodivergent child. And I will definitely go more into that later, but this episode today, I want to talk about some coping skills and coping mechanisms that I have found that helped me, especially when I made the transition to being a mom and household manager. Even if you don't have kids, if you're running your own house, if you have your own apartment, if you have your own like domestic care tasks, which pretty much all of us do, this episode is going to have something for you. As a mom, I find my biggest struggles come with organization, staying on top of things, knowing what's the next step, keeping lists. It's just never something that really came naturally to me. I have always struggled with it. And I remember even as a kid looking at my mom who was super organized and being like, how am I ever going to be expected to be like that ever? And the answer is, I mean, you're not. Everybody is different. Everybody has their different skill sets. I'm not particularly organized. I have trouble with time management. I have trouble with executive function. I have trouble keeping on track when I'm doing a task. Sound familiar? And especially with a bunch of little kids, there is always so much to be done. So much laundry. There's always permission slips and lunches and school plays and spirit days. And, and just there's an overwhelming amount of things to keep straight in your brain. And if you don't happen to be like a planner, meaning like a day planner person or a off your phone printable schedule person, it gets pretty difficult to keep up. You know, it's just a common occurrence in my house if I forget a spirit day or my kids don't have matching socks and I've come to terms with it. It definitely still brings a little bit of mom guilt because I would like to be that perfectly organized on top of it PTA classroom mom. Um, I'm not. I'm the, oh my God, please don't ask me for anything extra on top of what I've already planned to do this week because it'll disrupt my entire plan and then I won't be able to handle it kind of mom. And before I had kids, living in my own chaos didn't really matter. You know, I'd be able to stay up all night if I just couldn't sleep. I'd be able to hyperfixate on a craft or a project for hours and hours. And now that I have kids, you know, we have a pretty regular schedule. I, you know, I kind of have to run by their schedule a little bit and fit their needs because they're obviously these very, very important little people. And it's not just me anymore. So everybody has their own coping strategies, but I wanted to share one of mine with y'all because I think it would be particularly helpful, especially to the moms, especially to the domestic engineers of a household with a family. And that's something that I just do naturally in my brain, but I call it the three category method. I've never really written it down before until I did a TikTok about it, but once I started writing it down, it makes a ton of sense. So basically I categorize the tasks that I need to do, the things that are bogging my brain down, the open tabs in my brain, I categorize them into three specific categories. Category one is going to take up the bulk of your actual domestic duties. And these are the must-dos. Literally look around the house and ask yourself, 
for tomorrow and only tomorrow. Can we eat? Can we bathe? Can we dress? And can we execute our day? And if you can't yet, that's where you start doing those tasks. These are our daily tasks. These are things like grocery shopping or meal planning, um, making sure your towels are washed, doing or starting or finishing a load of laundry because no, I'm not expecting anyone to do all three in one day. Um, is the dishwasher emptied? Is the dishwasher now need to be filled? If your kids go to a uniform school, do they have uniform shirts? Do they have underwear and socks just to make it to the next day? Do you have enough plates, forks, knives, spoons for everybody to eat? Or have you at least procured disposable ones? My biggest downfall is when I'm walking through my house during the day, I'm disorganized in my homemaking. So I will get distracted, and that's very common for people with ADHD, ADD. I will get distracted by, oh, I really should reorganize this drawer. Or, oh man, I don't know if any of these clothes actually fit anymore. I should go through and check to make sure that everything fits and try on every piece of clothing. And then your whole day goes by and you can't function for the next day because you got bogged down or distracted doing another big task. And those big tasks we're putting in category two. Category two are bigger tasks that we want to get done but are not critical for the functioning of tomorrow. Remember, we need to focus on what's the most important thing to get us to the next day. So these type two things are things that should get done, things that we know we need to get done, but are not necessarily must do's. They're want to get done, want to do's. And this is the stuff that I usually get distracted by. This is organizing a drawer, restocking some low items, organizing those items, tackling lingering messes and doom piles all over the house. Maybe you notice some clutter that needs to be redone. Maybe things need to be refolded. These are very valid tasks. These are things that will need to get done eventually, but we don't need to bog them down on a day that we have a lot to get done in order to make it to the next day. These are things that are nice to do once the necessity tasks are done. And then the third category are again, bigger tasks that are more general and that need to be done, but again, they can be done at the right moment. And these are what I call like eventually must do's. They're not quite a must do yet. And this is where I put a lot of like my seasonal tasks. This is where we have signing kids up for sports, making sure they have the equipment for their activities, buying flip-flops for the summer, putting away two small clothes, going through and organizing those clothes for donation, dropping those clothes off for donation, signing up for camps. I would say planning school breaks or babysitters also falls under this category. It's something that's going to need to be done. It's something that should be done, but it's not a necessity for day to day. One day it will be a necessity to do, but not maybe today but they're also very easy to get bogged down by or like think you're overwhelmed with all the things you have to do. And in my way, just putting these three categories together in my brain just helps me manage to continue moving because I feel like it's so easy when you're neurodivergent to get distracted, to think there's too many things to do. So you might as well just like freeze and not start any of them because God forbid you have to pick one to start with. And everybody's going to find something, a method, a system that works for them. I think finding the right system takes some time. I think you need to really get to know yourself and how you work and how you prioritize. And I can even see this starting to form in my daughter who's eight. She is neurodivergent. We don't have any sort of diagnosis for her, but me being ADHD, I kind of know some of the tells of it. And she finds keeping her room clean to be a struggle, but it's not 
cleaning. She can do that. If she's super focused, she can clean better than any kid I've ever seen. She can make it look like an adult just personally cleaned every inch of that room. But she has to be in the right headspace for it. So keeping the room, maintaining, that sort of stuff is really difficult for her. So we're still working together with her on those sorts of habits. Like, what do I need to get out of the house? What do I need for school tomorrow? What do I need to do? What should I be doing right now? Because the trouble is focus, right? That's where we get the attention deficit hyperactive disorder is in the attention, the focus. It's really hard to maintain focus on the task at hand because our brain's doing 600,000 million other things at the same time. Thankfully, she's still really young and we have so much more knowledge and so much more tools at our disposal than we did when I was growing up. You know, the kids growing up today have so many more accommodations and so much understanding than we did growing up as millennials. You know, even my kids' school has interactive like bouncy chairs, fidget spinners, that sort of stuff. They're just very aware of the fact that certain kids have sensory needs and that kids learn in different ways. There's 504 plans, there's IEPs. There's so much more understanding that a certain portion of the population's brains just don't work the same as a neurotypical person. And I'm so thankful for that because I still feel like even though we know we have neurotypical children, being a neurotypical mom still feels like less than ideal sometimes. I feel like there's this image of what mom should be. Mom is organized. Mom is tidy. Mom is efficient. Mom is on top of stuff. And, you know, that's just not who I'm ever going to be. I have so many strengths in other parts and other areas of my being, but organization, time management, these are just not going to be my things. I've always been told I am my own worst enemy because nobody can trip me up other than me. And when we look into mom world, when we look at like the stakes that we're talking about and the expectations we're talking about, sometimes being neurodivergent feels very negative and it doesn't need to be. There are so many beautiful, wonderful things about being a neurodivergent parent, especially when it comes to connecting with your children, especially when it comes to just seeing the world in a different way. And also it has been such a bonus to me simply for being able to relate and understand what my daughter is going through. You know, when I was a kid, I had sensory processing issues with clothes, with tactile stuff. And my parents had so much patience. I still look back and I can't even believe that they spent so much time aligning the lines and seams on my socks just right so I would put my foot into a shoe. Like, I don't have that sort of patience. And they had that sort of patience with me. And this was so much... So much before we knew what being neurodivergent was, that what sensory processing issues were, what sensory disorders were, before I had a formal diagnosis. I mean, all of this stuff was just, oh, she's quirky. Oh, she just really doesn't like socks. So I would take all of my struggles with being neurodivergent simply to be able to explain what it feels like to my husband who is neurotypical and be able to set up systems for her and to be able to help her through her issues, to be able to relate to how she feels, being frustrated with her own brain, being frustrated with her need to constantly move or not be torn away from something she's really hyper-focused in. But the bittersweetness of all this is I am watching my daughter be given all of these tools and all of these accommodations so early in life. And I am just amazed by that because think of where she'll be able to go because the rest of us as parents, us millennial neurodivergent kids have had to come up with these systems and these processes and these coping strategies all on our own. And some of them worked and some of them don't and some of them were 
um, illegal. But now we have noise canceling headphones, we have post-it sticky notes and to-do lists and reminders on our phone and all of these amazing technological advances that are helping us neurodivergent parents and neurodivergent adults navigate the great wide world that is not necessarily set up for us. And one of the tools that I have found is just simply categorizing things that I need to do in my brain so I don't get overwhelmed, so I don't freak out, so I don't just be absolutely paralyzed. So I hope that this system is something that you can implement, that you can try out and see if it works for you. Type one are our must do's. Just try to get to tomorrow. Just do what you need to do. Do you have clean underwear? Do you have a plate to eat off of? Do you have food? Do you have soap to shower with? Do you have hot water? That's also very important. You know, cover the tasks that will get you to the next day. And if that's all you have the bandwidth for that day, hooray, you've made it to another day. If you're feeling extra spicy that day, you've got extra energy, let's go on to the type twos, which are things that like we need to do, but we don't need to do for survival, right? They're things that we wanna do, things that need to get done. I would also put all my like deep cleaning under this type two, like, yes, we do need to clean our toilets. We do need to make sure that, you know, our floor is mopped. But if we don't have the bandwidth or the time on a certain day, that's not gonna make or break the next day. Just don't skip those type twos for too long. And then same thing with our category three or type three are eventually must do's. These are things that we can put off until tomorrow. I know everybody always has that saying, don't put off tomorrow, which you can get done today. Well, sir, sometimes I just can't. I just can't. I just can't worry about renewing my passport today because if it's the last thing I do, it's going to break me. And I definitely do the push off thing a lot with the type threes and literally renewing my passport is one of them. I have had an expired Canadian passport for over 10 years, which means I now have to apply to get a brand new one. And you're going to say, hey, Lisa, well, why do you need a Canadian passport? Because I happen to be a dual citizen. So I do have a current and valid American passport. And it's because Canada won't let me in on my American and I have to go um, on my Canadian if I ever want to go back again. So I would like to do that. And it's been on my to-do list. It's on been on my category three for over a decade. I think it's about time. Um, so I plan to push it to the type twos. It's no longer something I can just keep off into the distance. It's something that I do want to imminently get done within, let's say, the calendar year. Type three is probably where a lot of bureaucracy comes in anyway. Type three is also where you'd most likely find going to the doctor or getting your teeth cleaned. These are unpleasant tasks that we do need to do and we shouldn't put off forever. But again, if you're having that kind of day, maybe today's not the day that you need to wake up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night thinking, oh my God, when's the last time I've got my teeth cleaned? I find that the type three tasks do eventually make it to type two, which are more of an imminent need to do will get done soon ish category um, because of timing because some things do have an imminent need to be done by date but they're not worth worrying about for months and months and months and bogging your brain down with in my case though with the passport that one's that one's been on the back burner for for really an inexcusable amount of time <laughs> i never got it renewed when i got married because i just didn't think that I needed to and then it expired without me noticing because I just never use it. I use my American one and uh, lo and behold, you know, 10 years has gone by. So 
don't be like me and let your your category threes go on for that long. But that's where I put all that sort of stuff. I have just a mental block with paperwork. So sometimes you got to kick it to the category two to actually get it done. And then sometimes even kick it to category one. Sometimes you have to give yourself a kick in the butt and be like, you know what? No, today's the day. Today's the day I'm going to sit down and actually do it. Just make sure you have all your category one tasks done first. I hope you found this helpful. I hope one of these coping mechanisms, this coping strategy is something you can implement in your life to make your life just a little bit easier to keep your brain clear and your mind focused um, and your day moving along. And if not, if it doesn't work for you, you don't want to try it, eh, whatever, maybe save it for a rainy day. Save it as a tip for somebody with a neurodivergent kid. But either way, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of It's Called Life. I'm Lisa P and I will see you next time.